at your word. Father, this is not just uh, a, a duty that we do and it's something we do. We come to church, we read a passage, we, we go through the Bible, Lord. Your word can literally change our lives. It can help us. Lord, the Holy Spirit can do that. Father, I pray you'd help me to not stand up here and attempt to preach a sermon without the Holy Spirit coming down on us and helping us, Lord, in ministering and using the words. Father, I pray you'd help me and give me the words to say as we look at this passage tonight. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. Alright, well we're there in Hosea chapter number 10. And if you look at verse number 1, this should sound familiar to you. We've looked at it quite a bit at our church in general. And we actually looked at it a little bit on Sunday morning. The Bible says, Israel is an empty vine. Throughout the Bible, God often uses the analogy of a vine or the analogy of a tree, the analogy of a plant or something that bears fruit to be able to use uh, to describe His people. And here He says, Israel is an empty vine. That word empty means uh, containing nothing. He says, it is a vine that contains nothing. Now, it does contain something. We'll look at that in a second. But to God, He says, it contains nothing of value. He said, it has nothing for me. It is vain. He says, Israel is an empty vine. Now, before we go on in the passage, I want to show you something. And and all throughout the Bible, like I said, you find this analogy of an empty vine. But I think if you you go with me to the book of Isaiah, keep your finger there in Hosea 10, and go with me, uh, go towards the left in in your Old Testament there, past Daniel, past... All those big books, Ezekiel, Lamentations, which is a small book, Jeremiah, and then to the book of Isaiah. We go to Isaiah chapter number 5, and let me show you uh, an analogy that God uses. Again, the same analogy, but in a different way here. Isaiah chapter number 5, and look at verse number 1. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1. The only reason I'm looking at this is because I think it will help you understand what God is talking about in the book of Hosea. If you remember, we've mentioned this from time to time as we've been going through the book of Hosea. Isaiah and Hosea are, are contemporaries. They're ministering at the same time in different locations of, of Israel. One's in the north, one's in the south. But Isaiah chapter 5 verse 1, the Bible says, Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. Do you see that? His vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. Now he's going to begin to kind of give you an, an old, the, a version of an Old Testament parable, like Jesus would often give parables. This is a story that God's trying to get across, uh, a spiritual application. Verse 2, the Bible says, well verse 1 says, My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. So he says he has a vineyard, he planted it, verse 2, and he fenced it. So he plants a vineyard, he puts a fence around it, And gathered out the stones thereof, and planted it with the choice vine, and built a tower in the midst of it, and also made a winepress therein, and he looked that it should bring forth grape. Now here's what you got to understand, okay? God is saying, and he's talking about his people Israel, look at verse number 7. 
He says, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. Now we understand that in the Old Testament, the, the Israel were the people of God, and they were the people of God, not because they were born into it, not because of a physical thing. They were the people of God because the Bible says in the book of Genesis that Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Don't let anybody tell you that God chooses... The Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. The reason that Abraham was chosen of God is because he believed God. The reason that you and I, the reason he was elected is because he believed God. The reason you and I are elected is guess what? Because we believe God. And in the Old Testament, Gentiles that believed on God were just as much as people as Abraham. You can think of people like Ruth. You can think of people like Rahab. So, we're talking about God's people. And I understand we're talking about Israel, but the application there, and I don't have time to go through it, but in the New Testament it's very clear it applies to us. I know that, that goes against what most people teach today, but uh, and I've, I've preached sermons on that, and we can go through that if you have questions about that. But just talking about God's people. And they're represented by this vineyard. And God says, not only did I plant a vineyard, aren't you glad He, glad he planted a vineyard? He didn't have to. You'd be glad He planted a vineyard if you realized you're that vineyard. <laughs> He didn't have to. God didn't have to create us. God didn't have to send us. God doesn't need us. But He planted a vineyard. And not only did He plant the vineyard, He began to bless the vineyard. That's what He's talking about in verse 2. He fenced it in to keep it away from the wild animals destroying it. He fenced it in to keep it away from other people maybe coming and stealing from it. He fenced it in in order to protect it. And gathered out the stones thereof. So He took everything that might cause it to be hard or unproductive. He caused anything that would cause the soil to be unproductive. He removed the stones that might cause it to stumble. And planted it with the choicest vine. He didn't give you the cheapest thing. He gave you the, the best. He gave us the Word of God. He planted, hey, aren't you glad we have the Word of God? It was a choice. Of, you got to understand, it was a choice of mine. You know, religions today, there are many religions that have books. But you know, none of those, you do know that, that the Bible, in fact, the King James Bible is the only Bible that its believers claim to be the Word of God? The Muslims do not claim the Quran is, is the infallible Word of God. The Mormons do not claim that their book is the infallible Word of God. In fact, other Bible versions don't even claim that they're the infallible Word of God. See, God didn't give us something cheap. He gave us of the choicest. He gave us of the best. And the Bible says He gave you the, He gave them the choicest vine. And look what it says. And built a tower in the midst of it. And also made a wine press therein. And he lo- you say, why did God do this? you got to understand. Why did God bless it? Why did God remove the stones? Why did He put the fence? Why did He do these things? Here's why. That it should bring forth grapes. Do you see that? He planted a vineyard and then He blesses the vineyard for the purpose of it bringing grapes. Now notice what it does. We talked about on Sunday morning the fact that some some trees produce no fruit. Some vines produce no fruit. With this one it's a little different. Look what it says. And it brought forth, but notice what it brought forth. Last part of verse 2, Isaiah chapter 5. It brought forth wild grapes. You see that? So it brought forth fruit... But it's not the fruit that the that God was looking for. Verse three. God, you can you can see his frustration in the story. The Bible says, "And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem, and men of Judah, judge." He says, "You judge." He says, "You tell me, 
You said, look, look at what I've done. You, you know, look, look at how I blessed this. Look at how I planted it. He says, you judge. You tell me, I pray you, betwixt me and the vineyard. He said, and my vineyard. He said, you judge between me and the vineyard. Look at verse 4. Can you see the frustration that God has? He says, what could have been done more to my vineyard that I have, done, that I have not done in it? God is saying, what else could I have done? To, uh, to get it to produce, to get it to do what I wanted it to do. He said, he said I, I pinched it in. He said, I removed the stones. He said, I gave it the choice of life. He said, I built the tower. He said, I made a wine for you. He said, I blessed it. I did everything I could do. He said, and it did not produce the right type of fruit. He said, what else could I have done? That I, that I have not done any. And notice what he said. Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. He said, I looked for it to see that it would bring forth what I meant for it to bring forth, and it brought forth something, but it wasn't what I expected, wasn't what I wanted. Wild grapes are not what I wanted, verse 5. Look what he says, and now go to. He says, because I planted it, because I blessed it, because I expected a fruit in return, and it gave me a fruit, but not what I wanted. He says, and now go to. Look what he says. I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. Now who's the vineyard? It's God's people. He says, I will take away the heads thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the walls thereof, and it shall be trodden down, and I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns, and I will also command the clouds that they rain not upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. God says, He says, I blessed it. He said, I worked at it. He said, what else could I have done? He said, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to destroy the vineyard. Because if you say, well, God, it brought fruit, but not the fruit I was looking for. Now keep that in mind as we read Hosea, Isaiah's contemporary. Look at verse 1. Israel is an empty vine. God planted the vine. That's you and I. But God says it's an empty vine. It's containing nothing. It's worthless. God says it's worthless to me. Now notice, He bringeth forth fruit, Okay? But notice what God says. He bringeth forth fruit, look what He says, unto Himself. Do you see that? God says, I planted a vineyard and I went and I saw that there was fruit, but there was no fruit there that I could use. He said it was a wild fruit. It, it, it produced fruit, but it was fruit unto itself. You say, what kind of fruit was it? Now notice, there's two, uh, there's two phrases that start with the word according there. God says, according to the multitude of His fruit. Okay? What fruit? The fruit that they produced to themselves. According to the multitude of His fruit, He hath increased the altars. Now notice, it's not telling us that the altars increased the fruit. It's telling us the fruit that He that bringeth forth unto Himself. He said, that fruit multiplied the altars. These are not God's altars. These are not, this is not worshiping God. This is a false religion. These are the altars. He says, according to their fruit, He hath increased the altars. Look what He says. According to the goodness of His land. Who, according to Isaiah 5, who made the land good? God did. Who gave them the blessings? God did. And he said, according to the goodness of his land, they have made goodly images. Does that sound scriptural? God specifically spoke against images. This is a, here's what God's saying. Here's what God's saying. This is what God's saying. 
God is saying, I blessed my people. He said, I protected my people. In fact, he said, what else could I have done? What more could I have done for my people? He said, I've done everything I could to make them to produce. And he says, when I look at my vineyard, when I look at my people, and I see how I bless them. He says, I see fruit, but it's not for me, it's for them. He said, I see fruit. He said, here's what he's saying. He's saying, they have taken the things that I have used to bless them, and they have hoarded them for themselves. And you know, I'm afraid that today, God's vineyard, the local New Testament church, is doing the exact same thing. And I can't speak for anyone else, but at Verity Baptist Church, I can tell you this. God has mightily blessed us. God has given us His Word. God has given us freedom. We don't have to be scared to go out and knock on doors and preach the Gospel. We don't have to be scared to meet together today. We can meet publicly. We're not, we don't have to be... Our government has issues, and trust me, I understand that, and I preach a lot about it. But I'm not in fear today that some cop's going to come in here and arrest us because we're publicly preaching God's Word. I'm not afraid to be able to open up my windows and pray to the God of Heaven like Daniel my, uh, did when he got uh, thrown into the lion's said, Hey, we have freedom and we have blessings and we have protection and God has given us so many things and the question I gotta ask is this what do we do with it? We bless ourselves we have nice things and we have you know a whole lot of money and a whole lot of bank accounts a whole lot of you know vacation look and I'm not against nice things I'm not against vacations I'm not against nice cars and houses but we gotta ask this question what are we doing with what God has blessed us with? God says I bless you and I just see you Wasting it on yourself. Notice what he says. Look at verse 1. Israel is an empty vine. He bringeth forth fruit unto himself. I'm not against nice things. I want you to succeed. I want you to be... In fact, not only do I want you to... God wants you to succeed. The Bible is very clear about that. But let me tell you something. Any blessing that God gives you, He does not give you to it for it to be wasted on yourself. He gives it to you for you to invest in others. Every good thing that God has done for us. It's not to bring fruit to ourselves. It's to be able to bless others with it. And the sad thing is that as God has blessed us, we use that blessing to then... Here's what he's saying. He's saying, I bless them, and what did they do with the fruit that I blessed them with? He said they increased altars to worship another God. He said, according to the goodness of the land, he said, I gave them the land and they used it to worship goodly images. They used it to... It reminds me, remember when we were... Uh, when we began preaching through the book of Hosea? Go to Hosea chapter number 2. Remember when we began to preach through the book of Hosea? Those first three chapters had to do with Hosea and his wife of whoredoms. Remember Hosea had a wife who was committing adultery on him. Hosea had a wife who was cheating on him. Hosea had a wife who was being unfaithful to him. Let me see if Hosea thought about the, what, what Hosea thought about divorce. Hosea chapter number 2 verse 8. Remember what Hosea said? He says, for she, talking about his unfaithful wife. He says, for she did not know that I gave her corn and wine and oil and multiplied her silver and gold. Which they, talking about Gomer, his unfaithful wife, and her lovers, they prepared to bail. Hosea says, I took care of my wife. I, 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 I gave her the things that she needed. I blessed her and gave her the things she needed. And then she took those things that I gave her and used it to commit adultery on me and her worship bail. And God looks down at you and I and says, I gave you a great land. He said, I gave you my 
someone else other than God. God says, you're an empty vine. So, well, God, we're very fruitful. Yeah, but he's like, that's not what the fruit that I wanted. God, look at all the fruit we got. He says, it's wild fruit. It's not what I wanted. Verse 2, their heart is divided. The Bible says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Their heart is divided. We don't have to go there, but do you remember the Laodicean church in the book of Revelations? The Bible says that they were neither cold nor hot. Their heart was divided. God says, God says, I would not work cold or hot. He says, because you're not either cold or hot. He said, he said I'll spew thee out of my mouth. He says, their heart is divided. See, these people, he said, if you would have asked Old Testament Israel, they would have said, oh yeah, we love God. Oh yeah, we love the God of the Bible, Jehovah, Abraham, Jacob, that's our history. We love God, but we also love this God. See, their heart was divided. See, we, you got to ask yourself this question. Is your heart divided tonight? Have you fully surrendered yourself to God and say, I'm here to worship God and to please God and to bring glory to God? And let me tell you something. I understand we live in this world. I understand we got to work. I understand we have families. I get that. But is our hearts divided to where we would say, well, well it, you know, uh, on Sundays is for God and then Mondays is for my work and Fridays is for me? Or is it just all about God? He says, our heart is divided. Now they shall be found faulty. Now notice what God begins to do. What did He do in Isaiah 5, remember? He asked the question, what more could I have done? He said, I'm going to begin to destroy the vineyard. Notice what God begins to do with His vineyard here, verse 2. Their heart is divided. Now they shall be found faulty. He shall, make note of this word, break down. Do you see that? He shall break down their altars. He shall spoil their images. The word spoil is a military term. Talking about when, the, when, a, when they would lose a battle. The uh, winning military would then spoil the losers. They would take or steal or plunder or, or pillage and, and take from them. And God is alluring to the fact that He's going to bring a nation. He said, he said these images you like, they're going to get spoiled by your enemy. Verse 3. For now, they shall say... We have no king, because we feared not the Lord. What then should a king do to us? They have spoken words, swearing falsely, and making a covenant. Thus, judgment... I want you to see, God is beginning to break down His vineyard. He says, judgment springeth up as hemlock in the furrows of the field. The word furrows there is referring to a trench in a field that is... Uh, created when you plow that field. When you plow a field, you'll create these little trenches across it. And those are called furrows. God says that hemlock is going to come out of those furrows. That hemlock is a poisonous herb. You and I might think of something like a weed. God says, I'm going to, he said, you're very fruitful. He said, you're fruit. And God says, here's what God's trying to explain to him. He said, he said, Israel, you are fruitful. Israel, you are increased in goods. Your finances are good. You are parting it up. I mean, everything is fine. He says, but the only reason you're fruitful is because of my blessing. And God says, I'm going to begin to remove my blessing. And where you used to have fruit, now you'll have a poisonous herb. He said, where you used to have protection, 
Now you're gonna, you, you're, you won't have that fence. You won't have those things. Look what he says. It's all throughout this passage. Verse 5. The inhabitants of Maria shall fear because of the calves of Beth Avon, for the people thereof shall mourn over it, and the priests thereof shall rejoice on it, for the glory thereof, because it is departed from it. Now, I don't have time to go into this, but here's the interesting thing. These people, God said, I'm gonna judge you. They're gonna, because remember, what are they gonna do? They're gonna spoil their images, right? And then the Bible says, the inhabitants of Samaria shall fear because of the calves of Beth Avon. They're going to be afraid for their calves. You understand what he's saying? He says the, the military is going to come. And instead of you being afraid, what is God doing to us? You're going to be afraid that they're going to take our idols. And God says that's exactly what they're going to do. For the people thereof shall mourn over it. And the princes thereof uh, rejoice on it. For the glory thereof, they're going to mourn because it, is depart- because it is departed from it. He said they're going to mourn over the fact that a, different, a military comes and takes their idols. He says my people are upset and mourning over the wrong thing. You and I get our hearts broken. Over things, oftentimes, that do not matter. And I'm not trying to be offensive to you. And I'm not saying this to pick on you. But you know, the things of this world are fleeting. We get so upset over job situations. And I understand that. I understand we need to work. And there's nothing wrong with praying for that. And I pray for all of you that ask me to pray for your job. I pray for your job. I understand that. But oftentimes, it's not as big of a deal as we make it out to be. Health issues, I understand we ought to pray. God tells us to pray for health issues. But you know, the things of this world are not as important as the things of God. And sometimes our hearts get broken over the smallest things. And God says, why don't your hearts get broken for things that matter? He says, you're crying for a piece of gold? Verse 6, it shall be also carried unto Assyria for a present. He said, your idols will be carried unto Assyria for a present. Now, if you remember in the book of Judges, we talked about the word present. It's not here that they're giving a gift to the king. It's not that they like the king of Assyria. They said, oh, let's send them a, 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 a birthday present. The word present there means they're going to present their tribute. It means that he's going to capture them, and he's going to put them in captivity, and he's going to expect a tribute or a tax, because they are now his slaves, and they're going to send their golden calves as a present to the king of Jericho. Here's what you got to understand. You say, what can we learn from that? Here's what you're going to learn from it. These people, they think that they have liberty, they think that they have freedom, they think, they say, we don't have to, we, they, you know, we're not, we, we're okay with God, but we don't want his laws, we don't want his ways, we don't want his prophets, we don't want his preaching. We want to do what we want to do. Let me tell you something. You may think you have freedom, but you are always under bondage to this world. People today say, I don't want that preaching. I'm going to do what I want to do. Well, look, you're either going to serve God or you're going to serve this world. But you're never going to have freedom. You'll serve someone. They said, well, we're going to serve our God. God says, no, you're going to, you're going to present a tribute to the king of Jericho. Ephraim shall receive shame, and Israel shall be ashamed of his own counsel. Verse 7. As for Samaria, her king is cut off as a foam upon the water. The high places also of Avon, the sin of Israel, shall be destroyed. Do you see that word destroyed there? Have you noticed how God, have you noticed these words, breakdown, spoil, judgment, shame, destroyed? Say, what is God doing here? God is destroying his vineyard. Say, why? Because it brought forth fruit, but it wasn't what he wanted. So you've got to understand this. 
why, why are you here? Why did God leave you here? Why didn't God just kill you after salvation? You got saved and then He just took you home. See, God left us here. you got to understand that. In fact, just keep your finger there in Hosea. Go, go to the book of, uh, let's see, where do I want you? Uh, go to Isaiah chapter number, man, I, I wrote this down and I think I might have misplaced. See if I can find it. Go to Isaiah chapter number, uh, oh, good night. Where did I write that down? I know it's in my notes here. Can't find it. Hmm. Must have not wrote it down. The Bible talks about in the book of Isaiah. I can't. Must have not wrote it down. Okay. It'll come to me. When it comes to me, I'll share it with you. But the Bible talks about in Isaiah that God created us for His glory. He talks about, and we saw it in Revelation before, that He created us for His pleasure. We're here, you understand? You say, well, why am I here? You're here to do what God wants you to do. And when you're not doing, or you're not producing what God wants you to do, you belong to God. He has every right to destroy the vineyard. Say, well, God can't do this to me. God can do whatever He wants. And you don't have to ask you or anyone else for permission. Verse 8, the high places also of Avon, the sin of Israel, shall be destroyed. The, no, notice the analogy of, of a vineyard or a producing uh, from a plant here. He says, the thorns and the thistles shall come up on their altars. They shall uh, say to the mountains, cover us, and to the hills, fall on us. Some of you Bible students, that ought to jump out at you. Say, what, what, what is that? That is a famous quote about the destruction that God is going to bring on this world. Keep your finger there in Hosea. Go to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter number 23. Remember when the Lord Jesus Christ was going to the cross? Luke chapter number 23. Look at verse number 30. Luke chapter 23, verse 30. Actually, look at verse, just so you see the, the context. Look at verse 26. Luke chapter 23, verse 26. And as they led him away, Luke chapter 23, verse 26. And as they led him away, they laid hold on one Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country. On him they laid the cross, that he might bear it after Jesus. And there followed him a great company of people and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus, turning unto them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. Here Jesus is on his way to the cross. They've already beaten him. They've already you know, just abused him. He's carrying the cross. Women are crying. And he looks at them and he says, Don't cry for me. Verse 29, For behold, the days are coming. you got to make note of that phrase. The days are coming in the which they shall say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bear. Today, a woman that has never had a child might look at that as a negative thing. God says, Jesus says, there's coming a day when it might be a positive thing that you don't have a child. You say, that's crazy. You say, why? Look, look what it says. Blessed are the barren and the woman that never bear and the paps which never gave suck. Why? Why, God? That's not a positive thing. That would not be looked upon as a positive thing by, by a woman. But God says to women, He says, one day there's going to come a day when women are going to be glad that they didn't have children. Why? Look at verse 30. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills, cover us. You see that? Why? Verse 31. For if they do these things in the green tree, what shall they what should be done in the in the dry? 
Go to Revelation. Let me show you another passage. Revelation chapter number 6. Revelation chapter number 6. Revelation chapter number 6. And I don't have time to go through and explain this, but in Revelation chapter 6, you have six seals. The seals represent the time of tribulation. I know a lot of people like to debate that, but it's very clear from Scripture when you study it out, comparing the Olivet Discourse with Revelation 6. Every seal was spelled out by the Lord Jesus Christ as a time of tribulation. You've got the sixth seal that begins at verse 12, Revelation chapter 6, verse 12. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, what happens at the sixth seal? And lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. Consistent with Matthew 24, right before the, the rapture, verse 13. And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree cast to their untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind, and the heavens departed as a scroll. And by the way, that's quoted in our uh, It Is Well With My Soul song. And Lord, haste the day when the day shall be done, I think it says. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. When it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places, and the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath, do you see that word wrath there? From the wrath of the Lamb. When does the wrath of God come after the sixth seal? What happens at the sixth seal? Verse 17, For the great day of His wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Look at chapter 7, verse 1, And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor the sea, nor of any, on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to. Notice what it says, hurt the earth and the sea. You see that? Angels, the Bible says that they hid from the face of the wrath. They said that the day of His wrath has come. Four angels come to hurt the earth. One angel, extra angel says, verse 3, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them that were sealed, and there was sealed an hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes, the children of Israel. So God says, before I begin to pour out my wrath, let me put a seal on my servants, the hundred and forty-four thousand. You say, is that what Jehovah's Witnesses? Well, if all the hundred and forty-four thousand Jehovah's Witnesses, according to this passage, are Jewish, because if you look at... Verses 5 through 8, God begins to describe for us that they come from 12 tribes of Israel. And if you study that in Revelation chapter 14, it tells us not only that they're Jewish, it tells us that they're males, and it tells us that they're virgins. So no, I don't think it's the Jehovah's Witnesses. He says, I'm going to send my 144,000... I'm going to seal them. Why is He sealing them? Because He's going to begin to pour down His wrath. And He wants to make sure He hits the right ones. Or doesn't hit His own. But what happens to the, to the rest? Look at verse 9. After this I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and peoples and tongues, and stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. Now here's what, here's what I think is interesting. Give this to your Jehovah's Witness friends. 
Now Jehovah's Witnesses say, the 144,000, they Jehovah's Witnesses say, we're all going to stay on earth, and the 144,000 are going to go to heaven. But the Bible says the 144,000 come down to earth, and the great multitude, look at verse 9, where are they? After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb. Where's that? That's heaven. You say, what happened at the sixth seal? A great multitude of believers, of all nations, of all kindreds, all sorts of people that believe on Jesus Christ, they got raptured up and they're in heaven. 144,000 come on earth. The exact opposite of what Jehovah's Witness say. They say, we're all staying here. The 144,000 are going on. Say, why did they get it mixed up? Because they're not saved. The carnal man does not understand spiritual things. But here's what you understand. You know what happens to this world after God removes us? He begins to pour out His wrath. He begins to systematically destroy the earth. You ought to go home tonight and read chapters 8. When God opens that seventh seal. And then He begins to blow the seven trumpets of His wrath. And, and, and keep reading the book of Revelation when He pours out the seven vials. God begins to systematically destroy this earth. Why? Because of His wrath. You say, why would God destroy the earth? Because when He plants a vineyard, He can destroy the vineyard if He wants. You say, well, how does that apply to us? Go back to Hosea. How does that apply to us? The sad part is this. God's people today just don't really care. The sad part is this. You and I know, you, we, we know that God's going to rapture up believers because He's going to destroy this earth. We know that God's going to pour out His wrath. We know that it's going to be a horrible time for people. And we know that after the wrath of God, then comes the great white throne judgment where God drops unbelievers into the lake of fire for eternity. We know that there's torment coming. Study Luke 16 with the story there of Lazarus. The Bible says he was tormented in the flames. The wrath of God in hell, people will be tormented. But you know, you and I, who have the gospel, who have the truth, who have the Bible, we just can't be bothered. Because we're busy producing fruit for ourselves. You know what God says? The verse 12. He says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. Notice what He says. He says, here's my advice for my people. He says, break up your fallow ground. That word fallow means it's hard. It means it hasn't been tilled. It means it hasn't been worked with. Remember the parable of the, of the, the sower? I don't want to argue with you of which ones you think were or were not saved. I, I know who I think were or were not saved. and We didn't talk about that. But remember that parable? The Bible says that one of those grounds was a stony ground. A hard ground. I think the problem you and I have today is that we just are hard. You, you say, I'm saved. You're saved. But your heart is hard. And we say, yeah, you know, it's nice that we're going to get raptured up. And yeah, it's nice that we don't have to face the wrath of God. And yeah, it's nice that we don't have to... But we don't really care if other people have to deal with it. Well, it's nice that I don't have to go to hell, but you don't really care if your neighbor goes to hell. You don't really care if your buddy goes to hell. You don't really care if your co-worker goes to hell. God says, sow to yourselves in righteousness. He says, reap in mercy. And He says, but if you're going to sow in righteousness, if you're going to reap in mercy, He said, we're going to have to break up your fallow ground. 
You know what we need at Verity Baptist Church? Some fallow ground getting broken up. Some hearts getting broken up. Realizing that God wants to use you and I. Not, God did not bless you just for, just for the purpose of blessing you. God blessed us so that we can go out and reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You notice what he says. He says, break up your fallow ground. Why? For it is time to seek the Lord. Till He come and reign righteousness upon you. He said, he said, break up the fallow ground. Why? Because it's time to serve God. Why? Because it's time to seek God. Why? Because it's time to get serious about God. Amen. Go to Jeremiah chapter number 4. We're almost done. Jeremiah chapter number 4. Jeremiah chapter number 4. Jeremiah chapter number 4. Look at verse number 3. Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 3. The Bible says, For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among the thorns. Go to Jeremiah chapter number 1. Jeremiah chapter number 1. Jeremiah chapter number 1. Look at verse 12. See if you can see the frustration of the prophet. Jeremiah 1.12 says, Then said the Lord unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I have hastened my words to perform it. And the word of the Lord came unto me the second time, saying, What seest thou? And I said, I see a seething pot, and the face thereof is toward the north. And the Lord said unto me, Out of the north an evil shall break forth upon all the inhabitants of the land. God tells Jeremiah, Judgment is coming. Jeremiah later on says, he says, is it nothing to you? He says, does it mean nothing to you? Do you not care? Go, go to Matthew. Matthew chapter number 23. Matthew chapter number 23. In Matthew 24, we have that great Olivet Discourse. Matthew chapter number 23, look at verse 37. Look at Jesus, the heart of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Matthew 23, verse 37. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee. He says, How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. God, God is, Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying, I can see the destruction that's coming. He said, Jesus says, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus said, I came to the house of Israel. He, said, he says here, He said, I would have gathered you up. He said, I would have put you under my wing. He said, I would have loved you and saved you. And, 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 but you rejected me and you killed the private. He said, the next time you see me, you'll see me coming in wrath. But Jesus' heart is broken because of and the question for us is, is your heart broken? Is it broken enough to do anything about it? Is it broken enough to, to, to maybe learn how to give someone the gospel? Is it broken enough to maybe give somebody an invitation and say, hey, I'd like to explain to you how you can not have to go to hell, not have to see God Christ. Is your heart broken enough to say, hey, I'm going to make my life not about myself. It's not just about me. See, you say, well, I come to Verity Baptist Church and I learn a lot of Bible and I get a lot of preaching, but what are you doing with it? You say, well, I, I, I've done a lot of fruit, but is it for you? Is it fruit unto yourself? Because if it is, God says, you're an empty vine. He says, you're, you're, there's nothing 
of value there. He says, verse 12, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till I come and reign righteousness. Verse 13, you have plowed wickedness. He said, but here's, he said, you should have been sowing righteousness and reaping mercy. Instead, you plowed wickedness and ye have reaped iniquity. Let me tell you this. You will reap what you sow. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Ye have eaten the fruit of lies, because thou didst trust in thy way. Notice what their trust was. Thou didst trust in thy way, and the multitude of thy mighty men. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. See, their problem was their trust wasn't in God. Their problem was their trust wasn't in Jesus Christ. Their problem was that their trust was in themselves. See, their problem was that their eyes were upon themselves. Their problem was that everything was about them. God wants you to have nice things. God wants you to be successful. God wants your business to succeed. I'm praying that your business succeeds. I'm praying that your, that your health is good. I'm praying for all that. But let me ask you something. Is your life about you? Because God says, I want to see fruit. I didn't plan out to preach on Sunday morning about fruit and then on Wednesday night about fruit. I honestly did it. Must, must be a theme that God's trying to get in our heads. Let it never be said of you or me or this church. Let, let God never say that's an empty vine. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dearly Father, Lord, we love you. Lord, we're thankful for the blessings you have given us. Lord, we rejoice every time someone is successful at work. We rejoice every time someone is blessed with a job. We rejoice every time someone goes in for a medical procedure and it comes out successful. Father, we are rejoicing and thankful every time someone is succeeding in life. We're thankful for it. And we know that those gifts and those blessings come from you. But help us to never get to the place where life is solely about us. And to realize that all these blessings you've given us, you've, you've blessed us so that we could bless others. Father, I pray you'd help us to be channels. Help us to be able to give our lives to others. Lord, we love you in your precious name, I pray. Amen.